You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, and welcome in. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thanks for listening. This is episode 172, and in just a minute, we're going to dive into a great interview I had a chance to do with an author, Courtney Rysick, uh, talking about uh, really the theology of gender roles and how that plays out. Excited to dive into that. Hey, before we do, just want to say a big thanks uh, to all of our regular listeners. You know, just kind of just looking at some of the download numbers earlier today and just really humbled by the number of people that uh, that engage with this podcast and listen on a regular basis, the, the, the emails I get from regular listeners, the encouragement, the tweets. I am just, again, so incredibly humbled. So big, big thank you to all of you. Um, so in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about complementarianism. I'm going to bring an interview with Courtney. If you've not had a chance to listen to my previous episode, in episode 171, I answered the question, what is complementarianism? And I really talked about a complementarianism being the theology and the philosophy that says that men and women are different and unique, both in our design and in our roles, uh, that men and women are both of equal value, no doubt. What we have bring, what we have to offer is of equal value, but we are distinct and different. And our callings and our and the expectations that God has for each gender is unique. And, and the place where we see this uh, play out most, or the two places we see this play out most, are, are within marriage and within church polity, or within church structure and church leadership. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, episode 171, kind of give you all my thoughts there. And so in this episode, we're going to dive into an interview. Courtney Rysick is a, an author and blogger. She has a, a book out uh, from Crossway Publishers called The Accidental Feminist. And she really talks about the idea that we can delight in God's design. In fact, that's the subtitle of the book, Restoring Our Delight in God's good design, the fact that God has created us not to be egalitarian, not that each gender is exactly the same or exactly equal in every way, but that that we are unique and different and distinct from one another, and that, that we have equal value, but not perfectly precise matching roles. And she really, you know, really kind of dialogues or kind of uh, you know unpacks why she believes that. She also talks about the idea of feminism. You know, reality is most Christians would never identify themselves as being feminist, but Courtney talks about how the contemporary and modern feminist movement has really influenced a lot of us in a profound way, more than we realize. And while there has been some positive elements to the contemporary feminist movement, overall, the feminist perspective has really been a detriment to our society in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways is anti-biblical. And many Christians unknowingly or kind of accidentally have have really embraced some elements of feminism. Again, this is completely un, you know unconsciously or subconsciously. Um, but, but many of us, many Christians have sort of adopted ideals that reflect kind of our culture's understanding of womanhood rather than the Bible's understanding of womanhood and, and gender roles. And Courtney really articulates this in a way that I think is 
uh, and I think I think that I, I could not articulate. So I'm really excited to have her on the show and to dialogue about you know gender roles and God's unique design for each gender. Specifically, talking about womanhood and how feminism has has really been a detriment to uh, you know to people's attitudes and perspectives in a variety of ways. So without further ado, here is my interview with Courtney Reisig. have on the line with us uh, from Little Rock, Arkansas. She is an author, uh, Courtney Rysick, author of a new book called The Accidental Feminist, Restoring Our Delight in God's Design. Super excited to have her with us today. Courtney, how are you feeling today? I feel good. At the end of the day, it's always Always, there's always a lot of uh, rest coming up at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out. Uh, Courtney, I'm really, really excited. I I stumbled across a blog post that you wrote uh, not too long ago, and uh, I tweeted it out to my followers. I I thought it was a fantastic read, and and so I reached out to you, and I thought, I've got to get this this girl on the podcast. She is just great. So um, so I just want to kind of give you the time. Uh, Before we dive right in, just take a few seconds, kind of tell our audience about yourself a little bit. Well, I um, I live in Little Rock, like you said. I'm a wife uh, to Daniel, uh, and I am a mother to three uh, little boys. I have twins who are three, and then I have a nine-month-old little uh, baby. So I, uh, I'm I'm a writer as well, and I I speak some as and when uh, when the time allows. So I, I like I love studying the Bible. I love teaching the Bible to women, and I I love writing um, writing and explaining God's word. Man, uh, really, really excited. And uh, for those of you who are, have never traveled to Little Rock, really cool town. So uh, excited to have you here from there. Um, so let's dive right in. Let me ask you, know, ask you, just take a few seconds, kind of define the opinion when, because I know there's a lot of baggage or a lot of misconceptions when people use the word complementarian. And so just so that there's no assumptions from any listeners, uh, tell us when, when someone says to you, what is complementarianism? How would you define that? Well, I define it as um, the, the the belief that God created men and women um, equal in value and in worth and in dignity um, because we're created in the image of God, but he created us distinctly as male and female. So within that, he created us with different uh, different roles, different different functions in the home and in the church. Um, but, but broader than that, he created us to see the world differently because men and women, as we know, do see the world differently. And so while I, uh, and compliment, complementarians run the gamut on what, what, what they think, uh, where they think the roles begin and end. But, but I, I, I believe in scripture bears out that, that the roles we see for men and women, these distinct roles uh, of, of, of headship, headship and submission and, and things like that are, are found within the, within the home and the church where, um, in the home, God has created the husbands to to be the head of the home, and and the wife to to serve a complementary role where she um, submits to his leadership, she supports his leadership, um, and she works alongside him for the good of their home. Um, and then in, in in the church, I would say that that the Bible bears out that God has appointed godly men who are qualified to lead and to serve and to preach and teach and, and lead the local congregation. And, and that, um, that, that, that's not a role that's available to women. Um, but I think that there are, are a host of things available to women in the local church. It's just the, the, the elder pastor role. So that's where, where I kind of draw the line on, on these like distinct roles. Um, but I think that 
within complementarity, within the, the Bible's understanding of men and women is that we do see the world differently because we are created uniquely different. Um, being an image bearer means that we bear the image of God in our in our identity, in our, in our, in everything about us. And so me being a female means that I represent God to the world in a unique way that a man doesn't. And so that's, that's a good thing. And, and, and complementarians see that, that God created men and women, um, with, with, with good purposes in mind, that there's a good design to, to our maleness and our femaleness. Unfortunately, sin has marred a lot of that. And so, um, we, we struggle with it in a number of ways. We struggle with seeing our, our design as a man or a woman as good. Um, but we also struggle with seeing our design, um, the other's design as good. And so we, we, we butt against that with one another and we fight against one another and we see that the men, men see women as other and women see men as other. And so we don't always work complementary alongside one another as God originally intended. Uh, what I think is missing mostly in the complementarianism um, debate and, and discussion in our in our conservative circles is this notion that men and women in their complementarity were made to work alongside one another in a way that that um, that we need each other's perspectives, we need each other's eyes to see what's going on in certain circumstances. And so in the same way that a husband needs his wife's eyes to help him see um, what's going on in the family through her eyes and through her lens and vice versa. The church needs that as well. And it's just a broader culture needs that as well. Courtney, you've just done a phenomenal job in a very quick, succinct manner, articulating, uh, you know, kind of how this plays out in our day-to-day life. Um, so that's really, really cool. I love the idea you're just saying, Hey, like we are unique. And I, you, you said one particular thing that really stood out to me, uh, really the idea that uh, you know, me as, or as you're saying, you know, me as a female, I get a chance to image God's character in a unique mm-hmm. way that is different than a, than a man would. And then me, obviously, as a man, I, I have I have an opportunity to reflect God in a different way. Of course, not in a greater way, not in a more valuable way, yes, but in a unique way. Yes, um, yes. So that's that's really really cool. Now there are there are people out there that would say uh, the complementarian view is chauvinistic or oppressive, old fashioned. Um, it, you know, they would they would kind of take a, a pers- that perspective. I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard those. Oh, sure, yeah. Views. Um, how do you usually respond to those sort of conversations or those sort of comments? Well, it depends. It depends if it's coming from someone in like the broader culture, so someone who who doesn't believe the Bible is true to begin with, versus someone who believes the Bible is true. Because at the end of the day, uh, we can't argue with with Scripture, and so. I believe that the first three chapters in Genesis have spoken and are clear and that God created when it says in Genesis one, that God created the male and female and he, he, he created the male and female uniquely and differently. And then we get into kind of more what that looks like in Genesis two. That's, that's so clear to me that, that God's word is true and God's word is spoken and we can't argue with that. Um, I think we, we, in our culture, in our, just the world, our natural human bent is to try to kind of fix what sin has done in the world. And so feminism and even, even, um, even, um, just chauvinism in a lot of ways is just trying to fix this conflict that we feel between men and women. And so men either lord it over women in chauvinism and try to rule over them and not treat them as human beings with dignity and value, or women try to fix the problem of, of chauvinism and, and, and oppression through through something other than God and his word in feminism. And so I I think that we have a better answer in God's word. And we look at scripture and we look at Jesus and how he interacted with men and women and how he treated them both equally with value and with dignity. And he, he was so countercultural in his day. I mean, men didn't treat women the way Jesus treated women. Right. And, 
And I think I, we can see so much hope in that. There's not, some would say that's kind of a trajectory moving, moving us forward towards God, Jesus, God's full inclusion of women in, in preaching and teaching and all manner of things. But I see so much hope in how Jesus interacted with women and how he, he didn't give them, they weren't apostles. So that he, he didn't make them part of, part of the, 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 the pillar of the church, you know, but he, he included them in his ministry. He, he worked alongside them. He welcomed them into his teaching. And so we see in scripture that God's pattern of this, this differences in our, in our maleness and our femaleness, but there's also this, there's so much value in, in, in how God created men and women. And I think we see also in scripture that God elevates women. I mean, even in the book of Ruth, we see God elevating these two destitute women and giving them this kinsman redeemer in Boaz. And so I, I think the Bible has a better answer than, than, um, than saying that it's something of the past. I think that, that's, that we, we are constantly trying to recreate and, and, and we'll remake the world that we live in. And we're never going to find any other answer apart from God's word. And it's a really, really great point. Uh, and so I've got a, a few other a quick questions I want to ask you to that. I just want to highlight just kind of your overarching thoughts is, man, if someone, if someone who is not a Bible believer, someone who doesn't mm-hmm. value the authority of scripture the way you and I would, mm-hmm. and they come, they come to you and say, well, that's oppressive. What the reality is you're, I mean, we recognize we're going to disagree because we have a different worldview. We we have a yeah. different source upon which we build our our opinion. Absolutely, um, and, and that's okay. Like I'm I, I'm not going to for, I don't want to force that person to see the way I see it, and I'm willing to allow them to just disagree with me because we just have a different mm-hmm. foundation. Um, but but to the person who is who claims to be a Bible believer who claims mm-hmm. to uh, to to value the scriptures as inerrant and authoritative, but but still says. Hey, I don't see in scripture. They would say to you, Courtney, I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I see in scripture, you know, the egalitarian view that there is no mm-hmm. uniqueness, and therefore that we should not be excluding women from any roles whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how do you typically respond to that person? Do you go directly to a Bible verse or mm-hmm. verses, or or do you just kind of just continue to lay the same argument? Are there specific things you would add to that conversation? Yeah, yeah, that that's a really it's 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 a really hard one because there are a lot of egalitarians um, believe in the authority of scripture. They, they believe that God's word is true. And, and, and so there we can agree on that common ground. The, the hardest thing for me to get wrap my mind around with the egalitarian arguments is that you've got to do a lot of hermeneutical jumping through hoops to get like maneuvering to kind of get to the point where you get to that Jesus, that the Bible teaches full inclusion of women in the pastorate. Or the Bible teaches mutual submission. So there's a, they they probably would say that there's a lot of cherry picking of verses in the complementarian argument. But but I just see in that the overarching theme of Scripture is this pattern of God has created us differently with these unique um, these unique vantage points into the world, and that within the home and in the church, there's this leadership and authority structure that is reserved for men, and 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 it's a good it's a good thing. But more importantly, when I when I look at how I want scripture to interpret scripture. So whenever Jesus is talking about marriage, he's always going back to the beginning. He always goes back to what was God's original design. Whenever Paul is talking about marriage, he always goes back to Genesis 1 through 3. So there's something happening in Genesis Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 that is setting the pattern for the whole rest of how we're supposed to view men and women and how we interact within marriage and in the church. And 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 also when 
when Paul is talking about marriage in Ephesians 5, um, he's, he's drawing it back to wives submit to your husbands as Christ submits to the church. And if we look at, if we use that comparison as Christ submit as the church, sorry, the church submits to Christ, the church, there's, it's never reversed. So we never, Christ never submits to us. He serves us and lays his life down for us, but he never once says, well, you get to decide now what to do because he ultimately is the God, um, appointed authority over God's local congregation, over God's people. And so that's what I just keep coming back to is that scripture bears out that this has been the pattern from the beginning. And even when, when the, the 12 tribes were established in Israel, they were men. When, when Moses appointed leaders, they were men. When the Levites were, were, um, were establishing their work in the temple, they were men. And so there's this pattern in the church and in the home that I just feel like is all through scripture. And to kind of, to say that that's not God's original intent and design, I feel like you've got to do a lot of, of, of just maneuvering with what the Bible already clearly says. Now, when it comes into practical outworking outside of the church and the home, I can, I can, I can, I can abide by the fact that it's not as clear. So whether or not a woman can be president or not and things like that, I mean, I think that there's room to disagree on those things. It's not as clear in scripture in my understanding. Um, but the church in the home, I feel like it's, it's fairly cut and dry. And, and to kind of get, get around that, I feel like you've got to really um, interpret and, and, and put something in there that's not actually there. That, yeah, it's some really, really great stuff. So, um, so o- overall, the idea that here's the overarching philosophy that God is establishing male leadership and creating male and female unique to complement one another in this perfect, mm-hmm. beautiful design. That individually, we reflect God uniquely. But then together we can reflect God completely. And it's this really cool idea where men serve and lay down their lives where mm-hmm. for, for, for women as Christ served and laid down his life for the church. But but it, but um but in but there's a there's a responsibility for women to submit to the male leadership as God has designed. Um mm-hmm. really cool. I think you've articulated it really well. I'm excited about that. Um so the question that instantly that, that comes up often, because people can say, Okay, should women be pastors? And you would say, Well, I feel mm-hmm. God's design is this. God has designed yeah. it this way. But then the question that I that, that I have trouble answering sometimes, if I'm honest, that I have trouble grasping like a quality answer from scripture is why did God create it this way? And I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that I have a quality answer. I, I'm 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 confident to say God did it this way, and mm-hmm. if he did it this way, then I, I trust him because he's a masterful designer, mm-hmm. um, and I can speculate to some reasons why I think he did it this way, but I'm not 100% sure. How would you answer the question if someone said, why did God make it this way? Why didn't God just make us egalitarian? Yeah, I, that's a good question because I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, we can just speculate, like you said. We don't, we don't know besides the fact that he wants that he want this was the best way to reflect his glory to a watching world. Um, I, I don't know much beyond that. Um, but I think though, with especially with with male leadership and even like within um, marriage, like the 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 thing that I also keep coming back to is that it's not every man can be a pastor in the local church. There are specific requirements, and so right. it's. So it's not just you get to just because you're a man, you get to be a pastor in a local church. You've got to still submit to these requirements that we see in 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 um, in First Timothy. So I um and then also within the home is that that women are are submitting, wives are submitting to their own husbands. They're not submitting to men across the board. And so I think because his, what I my speculation is. 
because it because he's talking about in Ephesians 5 that marriage is 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 a picture of the gospel, a picture of Christ coming to earth and redeeming a people for himself, redeeming a bride for himself, then it has to be that because God is all-knowing and he and he and he's sovereign over all things and before time began he 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 ordained this to be then then he had to have known what he was doing in the garden when he created men and women, when he created Adam and Eve as a husband and a wife, and knowing that it was ultimately pointing to this this um, cosmic marriage between Christ, our 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 um, bridegroom, and us, the church. So that's the only speculation I could think is that he he knew exactly what was going to happen because he ordained it to be, and he knew it was going it was going to happen, and therefore he created this this picture for us to have as this tangible reality while we live on this earth that this is what Christ did for us, mm. and this is what the church does in response to Christ. And so, however flawed we 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 um we live it out, and then you also have I mean, so what about non Christian marriage? I think that would be like pe- believers who have no concept of this. Unbelievers have no concept of this and therefore don't know that they're living this out. Um, I, I think that's just common grace. It's part of being an image bearer is you get to live out this cosmic reality and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so you're like, every married couple is in some small way living out the, the, the union of Christ in the church and they don't even know it. And, and when, a, when a non, an unbelieving husband is sacrificial to his wife, an unbelieving wife. I mean, I think that's why we can even look at unbelieving marriages and marvel that they're still together. Um, what keeps them besides the common grace of God right. uh, in their lives? So that's my only speculation, but I don't know apart from the fact that God is good and he does all things well. <laughs> oh man. Really great. I, okay. One other question. I keep saying I've got one more, but I keep coming up with more. <laughs> fine. Um, okay. So uh, he, here's the other argue, or argue, the other thing that arises um, in First Corinthians, in, excuse me, in First Timothy two, uh, we see clearly in Scripture the Apostle Paul telling us, "I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man." And mm-hmm. and I and I would take that to say there should, at no point is it appropriate for any female to have to do any sort of didactic or authoritative preaching teaching to a a mixed gender adult group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's some fuzzy lines. What would you consider an adult? Yeah, right? I know. Um, mm-hmm. For, for me, you know, I've worked in youth ministry. I've had women preach to our high school teenagers because if you're 15 years old and your mama still does your laundry, you're not a man. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so you're you're still dependent on your mother. Yep. She's still teaching you things at home. She'll sit down and shut up and listen to the woman preach. Okay, so that yep. is – so I think, you know, I've, I've had some high school guys, you know, I can't listen to a woman preach. I'm like, dude, relax. Come on. Um, well, their mother's probably training them in some capacity, so. <laughs> so – and so, I mean, I, I – you know, I, I, know, I know there's some gray area there. Sure, uh, sure. Um, and so I – but obviously there's a clear understanding of where that's not appropriate. However, mm-hmm. we have in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, Paul making some comments about women prophesying or preaching – or, so excuse mm-hmm. me, prophesying or praying, and when she does so, she should do it with her head covered. You know, the, the symbol mm-hmm. of being under authority. So that they're they're clean, they're clear. There's clear to me in the New Testament some form of female communicating that's inappropriate, and mm-hmm. some form of female communicating that seems somewhat allowed. Where do you draw the line of what of what would you say is appropriate within the church context for women to do and not do? Yeah, that's a really good question because it is all over the map on where even I mean conservative complementarians are all over the map on it. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I think if you look at, so what, what's the purpose of first Timothy and what's the purpose, purpose of first Corinthians. So first Timothy, it, it means it's a, 
it's written to Timothy to teach him how to behave in the household of God. Um, and it's establishing this, like these elders and, and leaders and, and what that looks like in the local church. And so I, I think clearly there, what, what Paul is doing with Timothy is, is establishing that this is how the church is supposed to function. And then in first Corinthians, he's writing to Corinthian believers and he's kind of correcting wrong thinking. And so a little bit different audience there, but the, so I would, I would, I would agree with you. Like there's this, this, like the elders, the elder pastor, bishop type role is, um, is reserved for, for qualified men. So men who meet those qualifications. And then, so I wouldn't have a woman preaching on a Sunday morning, um, because I feel like that, that the Sunday morning preaching, that's the preaching ministry of the local congregation is, is that teaching ministry that's reserved for the pastorate, um, reserved for the elders who are qualified men. Um, and then the, the praying or prophesying, again, this is where people kind of like draw the line. So I, I don't personally have a problem with a woman praying in a, in a Sunday morning service or in, a, in, a, in, in like publicly, I don't have a problem with a woman, um, sharing what she's learning. So I would, I would interpret that as prophesying. So sharing in a small group setting or in, um, like a Bible study for a church, uh, things like that. So I think that, um, what, what, what's happening in first Corinthians is, is that they were, they were doing it without, without operating underneath authority. And so I think that understanding that we're, we're always under authority. So as believers are always under God's authority, as local church members, we're always under the authority of our elders. And then as, as wives, we are under the authority of our husbands. So I guess that's kind of where I would draw the line. It's kind of fuzzy, but um, and then you get into all the, the issues of parachurch ministry and stuff. And I, personally, I think that parachurch ministry, if it's functioning like a church, it should be seen as a church. Right. So, so the, the, the rules apply. The rules. The, so, that's, a, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to ask you. The, yeah. Does the rule apply in that scenario? Yeah, I think it does because the, the, there were there were no parachurch ministries in, in the New Testament church. And so you have to look at. So what is what's happening? What what's ha- so is a is a. Um, campus crusade meeting functioning in some way like a local church. And I think a lot of college students that is like their local church. So you've got to be modeling what scripture teaches and, um, and allow for, for like the, there to be this, this understanding of that male. Cause what happens when they go and join a church after college? I mean, it, it, if they saw it in, in campus crusade or, or in some other pair church ministry, then, then it's, there's, there's a lot of confusion there. Um, why is it okay? Because it's not a church building and not a Sunday morning. Um, th- th- I don't think that that applies. That that seems really um, objective or right. subjective, whatever. Sorry, subjective. Uh, what about worship leading? Is the person leading the song part of the service? Yeah, that's interesting. So I think the person leading the song, if they're only leading the song, then I think yeah, that's just singing and helping, giving people a way to kind of follow along and sing. Um, I think if they're interjecting teaching, um, interjecting. So our, our worship leader at our church, he interjects kind of this, like connecting everything together. Like our worship service is all designed to point us towards the preaching of the word. And so if the songs are pointing us towards that end, then he's going to be pointing us towards that end. And so I think that that, that would fall under. Now she's just singing and she's the, like, I've been to churches where, um, they have a, they have an elder kind of lead the service in the sense that he's kind of shepherding everyone towards the, the focal point of the service, which is the preaching of the word. But they have a woman who's singing and helping everyone along with the singing and, uh, it worked fine. I didn't, I didn't. Right. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yep. these are, so these are all areas that, you know, I, I would say clearly, I think the Bible points to a complementarian view. 
But but as I wrestle through it practically in our 21st century sure. context, there's some gray areas. And there are uh, some gray areas, absolutely. So that's just my own interpretation and personal preference. So sure. I um, I know people who would not ever have a woman pray in their local service, local church service, right? As a, publicly as like part of the prayer ministry of the way the service flows. And, and I would I would probably disagree with those people. And I've I've kind of been called a liberal commentarian, and I guess I am if that's uh that, yeah. <laughs> but um, so you know I I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've I've kind of wrestled through that. There's some I said in the previous episode. There's some gray areas, and I'm I'm okay with it. That doesn't bother me that there's some yeah, gray. Absolutely, so. and I think we need to be okay with that as believers. Like if we think if we I mean I I'm a very black and white person, but but there's so there is a lot of gray, and we've got to be okay with that. We're we are finite beings with finite minds, and we can't know all things. As much as we think we can. <laughs> That's so true. So, uh, Courtney, man, this has been a phenomenal interview. It's gone way longer than I've kept you way longer than I said I would. So, oh, that's okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for taking a moment out for you know investing in our audience and, and sharing your thoughts. I really, really appreciate it. If someone listening to this uh, wants to connect with you or wants to just uh, you know uh, stay in contact with all things uh, Courtney Rysick, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Courtney Rysick. It's just my name is my Twitter handle, and that's where I post everything. Um, that's where I post all writing and speaking and things like that. Phenomenal. Absolutely. And so if you go to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com, look at the show notes. We will have we will have Courtney's uh, t- uh, Twitter handle on there. We will also have a link to her, to her book that you can check out, The Accidental Feminist, Restoring Our Delight in God's Good Design phenomenal book from Crossway. Courtney, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I I think this is going to be a great value for our audience. Thank you. I appreciate it. And there you have it, my interview with Courtney Rysick. I thought that she did uh, just a fantastic job of really articulating uh, some of her thoughts and some of her perspectives, uh, really articulating a, a biblical perspective and a biblical approach to womanhood and uh, and giving a a quality woman's perspective to complementarianism uh, both articulating the theology and philosophy behind it as well as some of the practical execution uh, of that philosophy and of that theology uh, I really appreciated her kind of just being authentic and honest and, and kind of a, attacking some of the flaws and perspectives in a gracious and Christ honoring way um, while you know, while clearly asserting and boldly kind of outlining what she thinks to be uh, the most biblical approach to womanhood, and so I really, really appreciate Courtney's thoughts. I want to highly, highly encourage you check out her book. Uh, again, it's called "The Accidental Feminist: Restoring Our Delight in God's Good Design." And that is available from Crossway. We will have a link in the show notes for this episode on our website where you can get a copy of that book as well as Courtney's uh, website and her contact info. So again, head over to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Look at the show notes for this episode, episode 172, and there we'll have all that information there. In addition to that, I'm going to have in the show notes for this episode a variety of other books that I would recommend in addition to Courtney's book that you can check out that talk about uh, complementarianism and having a biblical approach both to manhood and womanhood. So again, go to the show notes for this episode and you can check out both Courtney's book, her contact info, and all of the other books that I will recommend that will be listed therein.
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question or a topic that you want me to address, feel free to shoot me an email. Or if you know someone uh, that you think make make a great you know, interview guest, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know. Shoot me an email as well. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. I love the tweet. I tweet a lot. Find me there. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. <laughs>